0: My agenda is to get snorers on Love Island. (laughs) We need representation. We need people to know who we are. Um. Hello, and welcome back to the Popcorn for Dinner podcast. And welcome to the horniest hotel in all of Sicily. (laughs) Today, we're going to be discussing episode six of the White Lotus season two, mm-hmm. and joining me to get into all of it, all the drama, all the sex. Because <laughs> as soon as she stops drooling over muscled Timothy Chalamet, it's Hadja. Thank you. That line was for you, right? When like, yeah, was Do you know Chalamet. What it was just like, you. When it goes, I was
1: just like. It's Mike White is making this show for me. He's making it for all the bisexual people. That's who he made this show for. Yeah. That was in you his
0: um, in his writing room. That was on, on his board. Like I'm writing season two. I is mean, just for the bisexual. As a
1: bisexual man himself, is he? I know he knows. You know he. Knows. Oh, I didn't yeah, know. He is. I thought
0: he was gay. I didn't know he was bisexual. Oh, Okay. Yeah, it's um, an wait, so maybe man. maybe you're right. He's, he he's writing it for the bisexuals. I guess that's interesting. <laughs> Okay, before we go into all of that, first I just want to quickly apologize guys. Um my Wi-Fi is acting up. So if you're watching the YouTube video, the video might be spotty. I do apologize, but to be fair, you aren't missing much. So um you're lucky. But so you can also go back to our audio platform, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. They're there to listen to this. That way you don't have to watch my face. Speaking of Spotify, we did we got our Spotify wrapped last week so thank everyone that listened to us this year everyone that shared with their friends want to thank all our guests hadja of course and everyone else has been on the podcast (laughs) this year thank you so much we really really do appreciate everything that you guys do you guys listen you guys share with your friends you guys contact us on twitter and instagram just that really really means so much so thank you very much um we're not receiving screeners for the final episode as you can tell by the time of this episode we probably we received screeners a bit late for this one but we're not receiving screeners for the final episode at all so the episode will come out later than normal so please bear with us and when it, when it's not on monday or tuesday just bear with us um okay so the white lotus episode six it's titled abductions <laughs> written and directed by mike White. <laughs> um Haja, let's just start with this what are your general thoughts of the episode liked it didn't like it hated it what just general thoughts
1: I thought it was brilliant. I don't know why you'd ask me if I hate it. Thought it was brilliant. Um, F. Abraham really stood out to me this episode. He was hilarious, but he okay. he gave like a really um him and Valentina stood out to me the most this episode actually mm-hmm. obviously like there's them yeah. obviously like Ethan too but like in terms of performances F Mary Abraham and the actress who plays Valentina really stood out to me I really enjoyed it I felt like this is the episode that more than any takes you back to the very first scene that opening scene and really reminds you mur- murders plural are about to happen <laughs> so that's those are my yeah. general thoughts
0: okay um yeah i liked it as well i feel vindicated because i was liking the season from season from episode one but people were not too sure. so i think people are coming on board now you are actually because you're a bit cold on the first i was, I was
1: like so, against it i was like <laughs> i was like what so is I, this I feel a bit
0: vindicated you are um okay i'm gonna give you the i'm gonna give you the option or rather an option where do you want to start so the options are ethan's existential crisis <laughs> or Bert's existential crisis or valentina's existential crisis or Jack's existential crisis which of those do you want to start with
1: I think we start with Ethan and the the whole the couples okay, so the Ethan two couples cuz I feel like that's a lot of meat to get to everyone else there's a lot of stuff yeah, there Yeah I'll just start with I'll
0: try to do the question before we start talking about the things that happen So is again options is Aubrey Plaza's character Harper is she intentionally fucking with Ethan? Yes. Or did she sleep with Cameron or it's all in Ethan's head?
1: Um, she's fucking with him. She she wouldn't sleep with Cameron. She's disgusted oh, she by him. She knows what she's doing. So I feel like mm-hmm. I think the very interesting thing with that dynamic that I really like clung to is This is the very first time you see them having an honest conversation about their relationship. Because throughout the whole, like, lead up to this episode, you keep wondering, why aren't they having sex? You know, like, she's she's a sexy lady, he's an attractive guy, they're young. It's not like they have kids, even, like the other couple. Like, why aren't they having sex? Why aren't they attracted to each other? And this is the first time that they've really, like, let all of the the airs go. And they've really confronted themselves with what Mm -hmm. is their relationship. And for someone to say, you know, something has died, like that's a really big thing to say. And it's a very hard truth to confront. And in terms of Harper and Ethan, I think what is going on there is that Harper, um, Cameron has found a crack in a very fragile vase. So she's, Cameron for all his annoying douchey qualities, he's still very magnetic and charismatic and good looking. And this babes is not having sex, right? She's not having sex. She's been caught up in this weird, foursome, this energy. She's found out that this guy's been dishonest to her. And I feel like mm-hmm. he's just there at the right time, if that makes sense. She hasn't, she definitely hasn't slept with him, but I feel like he's, he's, he's come, his, his type of person and character is coming at a time that's like really appropriate for, for the break in that relationship. And I feel like that's, um, Like, that's what Harper is playing with. And, like, there's a specific line that stuck with me. He's like, the door should be locked. And she's like, then lock it. And it sounds like a really mundane line, but I honestly feel like it represents Mm -hmm. what's been going on with them those past few days. Being like, this shouldn't be a problem that's happening. He's acknowledging it now. And she's sort of putting the... The ball in his court and saying you are the only one that can fix this now because she does say to him you are not attracted to me um and i feel like she's definitely playing games with ethan she's sort of gotten wise to the fact that she she sort of needs to unnerve him or she's been influenced by daphne to say like okay she sort of needs to unnerve him in order for the relationship to go somewhere and like i don't know like i just feel like mike white is saying something very very interesting about relationships because daphne and cameron we see them alone right they have no reason to fake it or perform and they have a genuine Mm -hmm. friendship Mm -hmm. there's something there like they play with each other they laugh with each other and with hopper and ethan they have no giddy or nice moments it's constantly so serious so full of tension and i feel like you have this juxtaposition of people who are making it work they have this arrangement or agreement they have these people who literally do not communicate with each other and where does that leave their relationship it's dying so i am really intrigued as to where this is going you know
0: yeah i mean there is the possibility that um cameron and daphne even when they're alone i mean i think it's more than a possibility but they're still acting but they're acting for one another Mm. like they're still acting like they're okay with the things that are going on like Cameron is probably still mm. acting like or maybe maybe doesn't acting he believes that Daphne doesn't know anything mm-hmm. and Daphne is acting like either she's okay or she thinks that sleeping with her trainer is a good enough um mm-hmm. solace or, mm. or what do you call remedy it? middle ground so <laughs> yeah yeah so I guess and it's like what does she says what did you do this time and he's like yeah or, you know just parted hard and mm-hmm. it's almost like they never really ask the... They never really go in on the real question. They just... Mm-hmm. She kind of broaches it and they kind of brush it aside. This was mm-hmm. the first episode where I even thought... Where I considered that maybe Daphne actually slept with somebody in Nodo. Nodo is great. Yeah. yeah. I don't think she did because I think um, Harper would have known. But that was first. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, wait, did she? Could she have? Like, considering now that we know that she, she has a child for another man.
1: Yeah. Um, she has the yeah, ultimate and, Trump card yeah. with that though, right? So I think she sees... Like, I think for her, she sees all he's doing as just a very large game because she has the Mm -hmm. ultimate trump card because I don't think he knows that that child isn't his. And I think that would, like, ultimately shift things. And so for her, it's just like you're playing around with prostitutes and you're raising a kid that isn't yours, lol. Like, I think that that's, for her, that's why she's so playful.
0: Yeah, I think Cameron is very much like Bert in a way where he believes that... Daphne, his wife, doesn't know anything. And I think if Cameron is the type of person that if he thought that Daphne knew, like it, it just it, not only would it like lose the thrill for him. I don't think he would want to. Like he would feel almost, I don't know what the word is. I think like, he knows, he knows he would, she
1: knows that he's a shithead though. Like she knows she knows that not he cheating. does. No, I think she he knows that she or he knows that she heavily suspects, but he believes that she won't bust her bubble, and she won't. You know what I mean? It's like, we we both sort of, I think they're both just dancing around it, to be fair.
0: Yeah, I mean, I yeah, that's interesting because I think that he thinks that he's getting one over her, the same way Bert thought that, like, his wife never knew anything. Mm. And it's like, even when um, his son is like, she knew, it's like, no, no, she didn't. Like, why did she stay if she knew? So, mm. um, yeah, no, I don't know. Yeah. But is, is Harper going too far? Is this a bit too, Oh no, sorry, before we go to that, you said um, Ethan. Ethan is the fucking
1: worst. There's nothing too far. I hate him. He's the fucking worst. I fucking hate Ethan. He's the worst. He can't be the worst when when people are like, I'd honestly, I'd honestly, a Cameron over an Ethan. I literally hate Ethan so much. He's such a weasel. First of all, he only cares now because he can assert dominance with his rival. That's literally the only reason he cares. When his wife was neglected the whole time, when he lied to her consistently. And you know what I made me laugh? Like, her character is a lawyer right i could tell because she she kept giving him the chance to confess and he kept lying and now he's like but i've never lied to you you know what he can suck it in fact i hope she actually fucks cameron i know she doesn't but i hope she does because ethan he deserves everything he's getting he neglected his wife he refused to communicate with her you reap what you fucking sow motherfucker and this is just your penance you know i'm sorry be a better husband fuck you
0: Okay, um, I'm not gonna. There is no way I'm gonna wade into the trap <laughs> of trying to defend it, and that's not even happening on this podcast. So, like, no, I, no, I, no. Try I, and defend him. No, I wouldn't. I, I, would,
1: I wouldn't disagree with you. I no, am intrigued. No, I'm I, intrigued. Don't have, what, what, what I don't have. I don't have
0: any defense for him. Not, I'm not gonna be like you know how for podcasts, for content. I feel for him,
1: but I don't. I,
0: I mean, do I think that if she's doing intentionally like that this might be too much? Maybe you can clearly see he's 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 losing his shit. I I'm, I don't like. He's obviously <laughs> yeah. done. Like. He should have told her originally because, again, mm-hmm. did he cheat? Probably not. But like, if he told her from the beginning, she probably would have been a bit better with it. But he obviously didn't, and he held it. Mm-hmm. So I'm not. I'm not trying to defend him. I'm just saying, say, like, if this is her plan, it is. It's fairly fair in like in the the life that they live. But like, it is. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. That's what I would say. But I'm not defending him because he's he's a piece of shit um, Nobody's arguing with that. I
1: think that. <laughs> I think the paranoia is built so well. Like it literally you can and the the performance is also really great. Like it literally looks like he's being undone from the inside out. It's like, ridiculous. It looks like he's Ed's, about
0: to he's dying. crash. He's like from the first He's dying. Like, I knew it was an Ethan episode. God's episode starts with him on the chair. I was just like, oh my god, this guy is unraveling. And obviously, we know that there's history of Cameron mm-hmm. sleeping with girls that he's interested in. Yeah. So, and obviously Cameron has been flirted. And obviously, it's it's fort- very fortunate and now he remembers that Cameron exposed himself to to Harper and all that. But like it's like that scene. That scene is so well directed. That scene where he's obviously you see the um, mm-hmm. what's in his head where he imagines them having sex and what could have happened mm-hmm. on the other side of the door. Yeah, and it's just like yeah, this is this is a man that is that is unraveling. Like everything has just fallen apart.
1: He's he's teetering on the edge. I feel like. This episode really was blinking like this is like someone is going to die. Like mm. I felt like this this episode definitely gave me new ideas for victims um, and perpetrators. But um, yeah, I definitely really enjoyed this one. Throughout this episode, I just kept
0: <laughs> on thinking, "Oh, this is Ethan. Ethan is gone." But also, like this, show, I mean, we we'll get to, let's we we'll get to theories in a bit. But like my quiet kind of juxtaposed Ethan a lot with the um, De Moro st- um, statues. Like it was always yeah the statue, and then Ethan or the Ethan and such was like, okay, what are you trying to tell us?
1: Yeah, because that one was about a woman killing her husband for infidelity, right? But no, it no, a could woman killing a man the other way that around.
0: seduced her. Well, a, a woman killed a man that seduced her when she found out that the man had a family on the mainland. Yeah, sorry. So it's still the same thing. Yeah, yeah no, it's still the same thing. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: I always thought, up to now, I thought that statue was meant for Daphne. Mm-hmm. And Cameron, like Daphne, like it was telling about it was hinting about Daphne killing Cameron, but now it, it could be yeah. about Ether. Um speaking of Daphne, she's not in this episode at all. She's just there to complain about her Timothy Charlemagne misuse. Um yeah. I like I was telling someone I really I feel almost proud about the reception that Megan he is receiving, even though I don't know her from anywhere. I love I like, her, you know. We're, we're, we're watching her on the bowtie. We loved her on the bowtie. Bow like, family, though. That's our bowtie
1: family. I'm bow like, time now,
0: time now like, HBO family knows. I'm like, oh, this. Is, I feel so special. I feel like, oh, I feel so... Aisha D is next, in, in the words of Ayo. Ayo yeah. said Aisha D has next. Um, okay, let's quickly go on. Um, should we just quickly... Let's, let's, talk, let's talk about Lucia. Should we do Bert? Yeah, that's what we do. No, no, it's the, same, it's the same thing. The three generations and, and, and Lucia. Um, well, let's start with Bert. Let's start with Bert.
1: This episode for, so first of all, he's fucking hilarious. He's goes, it's great you're employed. You know, Sicily has such
0: a high <laughs> rate employment.
1: He's so no. funny So in this episode. He is hilarious.
0: Incredible. Incredible. So the scene when Albie brings out Lucia. Al- I'm going to mention a few scenes for you guys. He's, to like, he's like, he's like, get yourself his together. His face drops. Like he's, before that, he's in the background <laughs> and he's free. You can just see his face. Almost his mouth was open. And then he tells him, get your shit together. Or something like that. It was like, you, I can't remember. He said something that was very like anachronistic. I can't he remember said, what he, he said. said but it was like,
1: it was so funny. He was like, get yourself together.
0: You're going to, you're going to reveal it. <laughs> <It's> so funny. <laughs> it was so oh, it was, funny. It was so funny in this. Um, and then obviously the, the payoff of what they came, why they came to Italy, and then just uh, the crash yeah. of, of no one caring, no homecoming in their words. Um,
1: I I found three that Italian really
0: women shouting at three Italian men.
1: <laughs> yeah, Um I feel like that. That there's so much to pick from that, and I remember that one of the first things mm-hmm. that stuck out stuck out to me was when Michael Imperioli's car- Dom asks, "Who would I have been if I lived here?" And I feel like, yeah. That question, "Who would I have been is very very like a central question for this particular family and this particular two generation particularly between um you know but and Dom you know who would I have been if I'd done X and not done X or yeah. made x mistake and not done that and This idea about people who stay versus people who leave and like searching for something better for yourself, but ultimately sort of not Mm -hmm. being able to find it. I feel like they did so many interesting but very subtle things in this episode. So one thing that really stuck out to me is sort of the different reactions from all three generations of men when Lucia decides to go into the car with Alessandro, whatever his name is, Alessio. The pimp, yeah, the fake Alessio. pimp. But I, so now I'm, I'm okay. Basically, is that a real pimp or not? Because at first I okay, thought it was right fake. But now he's fake, I'm afraid. He's, he's
0: fake. He's fake.
1: He's fake. Isn't he right? He, we've but all thought he was from the she's beginning. She's really but doing a convincing act. Because they
0: all—they all deserve Oscars for whatever they're doing. But I went back to—I saw a hint—and I went back to watch the beginning mm-hmm. of the pilot or the premiere rather. And Alessio is there, but like she basically just says like. Hi, Alessio. Like, they're very friendly with one another. So it doesn't yeah. give the the uh, impression that this is my pain. Him. So definitely. And also, yeah. remember, when it's... she leaves, when they're about to leave, and then the valet calls mm-hmm. her, I just thought that was just my mm-hmm. wife trying to find a reason for Dom and Bert to talk. But then she's like, that's my friend's brother.
1: Brother, yeah. So I'm
0: assuming she was like, go tell Alessio this way we're going to be. He can come meet us on the street yeah. or whatever. So That's,
1: that's, that's a very clever... Um, remark like noticing that and i also mm. think that's that's that links to what you know sort of jack eventually tells Portia later about a con to help the people around you yeah. because i can imagine she's probably gonna try and cut them in on whatever con that she eventually runs on you yeah. know this boy but Albie well, th- surprises me okay. every episode <laughs> <laughs> i feel like i don't know if he's you know also waiting or something. But he never, ever interferes with her agency. Like, he constantly lets her choose. And I was very surprised that he didn't just white knight immediately. Whereas her two, the two older men immediately be like, okay, like, well, let's handle this, like, as a man. Like, I can handle him. I'm pretty sure that's what Dom says. And then Bert is like, how can you just let her be abducted? Like, yeah. they're all very much in, like, manly protector mode. How can you let this woman go? And he's like, it's what she wants. It's what she wants. And I feel like that's a very like interesting detail that is there very much on purpose. It's like, I feel like everyone has been afraid for Albie to crack, but I personally think Albie is exactly the man he's trying to be. But Mm -hmm. I don't know that he might remain that way if she does try to scam him. I do think that this whole thing is sort of putting us in a position where we ask the people that try to be good where do they go when you've like pushed them to the very edge?
0: No, I was like, you say he surprises you, but like, <laughs> I, mm-hmm. we went on a rant two or three weeks ago about how is probably a terrible <laughs> person. And this is his villain origin story. And he hasn't proved correct so far. Yeah. So we're the ones that, like, what were we thinking? Um, in regards to the three generations' reactions, I did, I found it very mm-hmm. interesting because, yes, they all, they all have, they all react differently. And then Albie's like, we can't escalate or whatever. But, They are all, for better or worse, like very protective of her, even if it's like in the Mm -hmm. traditional manly way. And I found that interesting because that that does mean that if her con involves, I'll be providing money for her or even taking Mm -hmm. her to America, whatever her plan is, like none of the three men will be opposed to it because they all at this point feel for her safety.
1: Yeah. No, I. You know, yeah, like Dom won't
0: be like, you can't, she's Mm -hmm. a sex worker. You can't. He's seen her in danger so far. So he'll be like, no, she has to come with us or whatever. So I find that very interesting. That they were all like, like when when Bert comes out, like you can you can't go with him. That was so funny. and yeah. <laughs> that, so, that was hilarious. His line reading was, was so, so
1: hilarious. You can't go with him. I was like, this is so melodramatic and hilarious. But I I'm so happy you brought that up. And I think it this idea of like, despite who she is, their initial discomfort with her, them being mm-hmm. you know you know, upset by her presence, maybe ashamed or embarrassed by her line of work. The moment it's a woman in danger, all of that ceases to matter. And they like sort of have to make sure she's safe before all these things matter. I think that's really interesting because like I think with Albert you've sort of seen that, okay, maybe he wants to save somebody and I don't know, like, even with um with Bert, something that stuck out to me when he says that you, you know, you think you're gonna be embraced um by a woman mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. who tells you you've done all right um but there's no nothing for me and i feel like it, it's interesting because it's him a man who's looking to be saved by like some sort of female figure and mm-hmm. um you know he has no wife anymore he has he's sort of i think maybe even though he doesn't express it in that scene with don he's probably lingering on the fact that oh my god maybe my wife did know this stuff about me, and maybe she yeah. was sad about it. And I think he's sort of looking for—I yeah. don't know if it's comfort or acceptance or forgiveness. Um, but throughout this whole episode, I felt like that there was a very like, like it was like an animal or animalistic theme going on, like people going back to like your primitive de- desire. I felt that with like Harper and Cameron and Ethan, and I felt it with obviously like Tanya and all of that. And I feel like mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. desire for Bert is sort of that childlike one of like, okay, like, I just want to be hurt, like, by my mom or something. <laughs> or like, I yeah. just want to feel safe.
0: 100%. Because I, I have the full quote here. It's, you always think there's going to be a homecoming, the embrace of a woman that tells you you've done all right. There's no homecoming, not for me, not anymore. Yeah. And something that struck me when he said that quote, was how his face lit up when he realized that, the, that those two women, their mother yeah. was in there. Like, he's like, your mom is in. Yeah. Like, can we go say hi to your mom? Yeah. Who he, he thinks is like the, probably the maternal yeah. person in his family, right? That is, that is left. And yeah, I think he he wants, he thinks all the things you said. Mm-hmm. It's like forgiveness and acknowledgement that you've done okay. And he, he probably thinks he's like, he's like, oh shit, I fucked up my son and probably my grandson yeah. as well. But usually, at the end of the day, after I do all the fuck shit I do, when I go out with women, I come back home and my wife is there. And mm-hmm. it's like, what I think was, was, it It might have been Albie or Portia that said it during the Godfather scene. It was like, men want to go out and sleep with all these women and come back home to a home-cooked meal mm-hmm. with their wife. So it's like, you want that embrace from your wife after you've done all <laughs> the bullshit that you've done. But no, he doesn't get that. He doesn't even get that from these women that have never met him before. And then what does yeah, he do? Yeah. He goes to drink and then he finds solace in Mia mia singing like a woman singing italian woman singing
1: yeah and her beautiful she has a beautiful voice though wow she has a very she has a very good
0: voice um as as opposed to the former (laughs) former
1: no but i think it's also great you know what the women the women the woman says the oldest woman she says and what do we need men for
0: but then important she also says I'll throw this artichoke at your head. So that was just like, <laughs> so just incredible lines all around. Just incredible. Lines. Yeah,
1: no, that was so hilarious. But I don't know. It was. I think because this season has touched on like male masculinity and like what that means. Mm-hmm. I I don't think I have a definitive answer or inference of what this means. If if I had to guess, I would say that it's it's sort of about the way that you know maybe we're all just inter in, interdependent on each other. As men and women, and even someone like mm-hmm. Bert can't escape his sins, um, he needs to find that somewhere. And also just like, you know, you have this very macho man, you you have the whole season talking about their ideals and what matters to them and what makes them men and all this stuff. And ultimately, they still sort of seek the solace of a woman acknowledging them. And 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 I think that thing of doing all right, it is a woman also acknowledging your manhood you know, have you succeeded yeah. in, in whatever way that, that means to you?
0: It's funny. I don't know why. Yeah, it's funny. I don't know why in the last five minutes when we're talking about this, I just kept on thinking about Don Draper.
1: Yes. Um,
0: have you seen Mad Men? Yes.
1: How can you ask me that? Bankele, that is insulting. Well, I just, I'm sorry. I just have to be sure. I apologize. I apologize. Mm.
0: But I, everything Don did, he always mm. came back to the women in his life. Yeah. Sally or Peggy or, what was January Dressy's character's name again?
1: Um... And um, Betty, and then also the woman he, he
0: Mrs. Draper. Yeah.
1: Oh my God!
0: Yeah, like he always, like it, no matter what, he always wanted to come back to one of the uh, yeah. women in his life and everything. And I think, yeah, it just just reminded me of, of Don Draper. Yeah, that's
1: such a um. brilliant point. I think also one of the best things about Don is that like he's constantly trying to run away from who he is, mm-hmm. but he also cares so much about people that he needs those connections so he is constantly in between sort of running away from who he is and seeking solace particularly in these female characters he just can't help himself but to be there for people and to Mm -hmm. you know do 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 the right thing well most of the time (laughs) um or some of the time um and i don't know like i think that's a like a brilliant comparison and that really did that is that does really echo that same sentiment of like where does one go? And that lostness, you know, we see it in Portia and Mm -hmm. Tanya as well. Um, Do you want to talk about them? Um.
0: Let's talk about Portia. Oh, should we, let's keep them to the end. Let's (laughs) Let's let's quickly talk about (laughs) Valentina, Isabella and, and Mia. Mm. so i have obia Ob- Ob- was meant to be on this episode so he sent me his notes because he couldn't make it and then he just had on his note was like yes i knew it rocco is her boyfriend which was just going engaged." i'm like why is that <laughs> so exciting to you why is that the thing that makes you so excited He's just like yes i knew it i was like nobody was fighting you about whether rocco, rocco and isabella were engaged okay. well um i think the actress that plays valentina um sabrina I, let, me, let me get her last name so i don't butcher it oh okay i'm not gonna pronounce that because i'll probably butcher it yeah
1: let's just move on
0: uh, um so sabrina i think she was so good in this episode like yep i want anyone else listening just quickly go back and watch the scene when she's drunk at the bar mm-hmm. and mia is kind of like hitting on her and all mm-hmm. that like her face does so much when when mia is like you know all the empty rooms in this Plays or whatever she spends like 30 seconds just looking like her eyes are just moving around mm-hmm. just like you can see her eyes like she's almost like she's processing like a computer try, trying to figure out what do i want to do next and it's yeah. just the acting in that scene even, From sabrina is so so good i was like wow
1: even when she hears of the engagement like her lip quivers and like it oh, like her was eyes and it's just so sad and i feel like you have it juxtaposed with when she initially invites, um, Isabella on this thing and she's so excited. And she's so, you know, she's so tough. She's like, Oh my God, you actually want to come. And she's so happy. And Isabella's mm-hmm. also excited. And then hearing this, and I, I was hating on her in the last episode. I went like because I thought she's a very horrible boss, very inappropriate, reported to HR. But I know, now but I feel so bad for, I, I know, like she was, but I still, I felt so bad <laughs> for her. And the actress does such mm-hmm. a good job. And even the whole thing about empty rooms, I think that that's particularly like poignant for her because you even see her, you know, when she feeds the cat, I think it's like episode three or four. Like she lives a lonely life. Mm-hmm. So I think someone telling her, you know where all Ugh. the empty rooms are, it's like, yeah, like you have no life. Like you, you
0: have nothing. I mean, that, uh, that's, a, that's an incredible, incredible metaphor and comparison that you just made. But when she says, I don't have anyone to celebrate with.
1: Yeah. Oh,
0: my heart. I was like, oh Jesus Christ!
1: Yeah,
0: like even though it was part of me that thought, is she lying about it he, he being her birthday so she can go up to Isabella? I was like, a part of Look me. Look at me my notes. I wrote like, it's
1: her birthday and I put a sad face. <laughs> yeah,
0: it was just like I was like, oh, this is so sad. And then obviously, yeah. what proceeds is that scene with 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 Mia. Um, quickly about Mia. Um, what do you think of Mia's dress?
1: I think it's so ugly and ill-fitted and like badly tailored. Okay. I hated it. I thought it was don't rubbish. It looks I like don't a get- towel. <laughs>
0: <laughs> i don't get dresses like that and look i'm With the last feathers. person to give like i just i i've never understood it i've never i'm like just mm. wear the dress just wear the dress normally if that's what you're wearing like i look i'm the i'm nobody should come to me for advice male or female fashion advice please don't but just i was like why are you wearing this like it's just yeah okay i'm glad you're on my side because i was just like this dress makes no sense to me um but yeah i mean whatever's gonna happen next, <laughs> it's sad that right? it's it maybe in like 36 hours maybe 48 hours after she first had sex with a woman she's about to witness some dead bodies on her in her hotel so that should be a few a good few days for 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 valentina Mm -hmm. um okay let's go to tanya and the gays that's how it's written in my notes
1: um that first scene with with portia and tanya i mm -hmm, think that's mm -hmm. a perfect scene you know when you know portia says to because i i sort of thought as well that. Portia doesn't see, like earlier in the season, I thought, you know, Portia and Tanya are quite similar, but they don't see it. And I think when, when she says, I see myself I in so you, well. I think it's a great thing mm-hmm. because they both have that, that narcissism, that unawareness, that lostness. Um, and, and I love, I love that Tanya doesn't tell her. What she's seen immediately, and Portia sort of has to come to terms and realize over the whole course of the episode what's really, really going on. And I think that that works so much better, especially in terms of character development, because she has to sort of get real for a second and get out of her delusions and be faced with what's exactly in front of her, not what she's trying to tell. Um, but yeah, finish what you were saying before I go to the next one.
0: No, no, no. I because I also um, during the. Earlier episodes, like I feel like Tanya and and Portia are the same person because yeah, everything you said and just all the characters. It's not a billionaire version. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do that thing where they just drift off during a sentence, and like mm-hmm. somebody's talking and they just say something completely random. Tanya does that obviously every time, but Portia did that so many times with with Albie. No, and I think this was like, look, Mike White's pen was going off this episode. Obviously, we've mentioned the yes. homecoming thing from Bird. We've mentioned I don't have anyone celebrates with, but like when, <laughs> look. When Tanya says to Portia, the my mother, is dressing right? up like a little doll, and I was always a doll waiting for someone to play with me. I was like,
1: Do Jesus you know how Christ. many notes I have on that line alone? Literally, I said, It reminds me of Rachel from the last season, the woman who was fighting to not be a trophy wife, right? With the uh, with Shane. Alex right?
0: Yeah, Alex okay, yeah, yeah.
1: But then I also feel like it's obviously it plays to the show's like larger. Gender themes or whatever, but what it really struck mm-hmm. out to me was Portia, and it and it really highlights that parallel between them um in terms of waiting to be played yeah. with. Because even in the first season, Tanya is so desperate to be chosen, and she's so desperate to be seen. Mm-hmm. But also Portia, she's also so lost that she wants to be played with. Initially, she thinks Albie will play with her and make her the right person and maybe this is the type of guy she needs. And then now she's being played with by Jack and she still finds no satisfaction. You know, she eventually talks to Jack about this whole idea of being satisfied. And I think that it's such a brilliant line because it illuminates so much in that scene. And I think that it's so perfect, like, especially in terms of what we're saying about women. And I think it's, Mm -hmm. it, it, it links to all the female characters. Um, particularly to me, I feel Daphne sort of like taking charge and she's now the one playing the game. Right. So she's in charge of the game and she decides what's being played and sort of everyone deciding like who they're going to be basically. Cause the the thing about the doll is that you can dress it up any way you want. Um, and I think that's Mm -hmm. really highlights how the whole thing is about what type of marriage are you going to have? What type of person are you going to be? What type of man are you going to be? What type of lover are you going to be? Um, what type of rich person are you going to be what, ta- what type of life are you going to have and I think that that's done yeah. so well just with just one line
0: and then do you remember the line that comes immediately after
1: get your shit together
0: <laughs> <laughs> essentially but it was a line that confused me and then I think just listening to you speak now it makes sense because that's what, that's what triggers us to ask um, Jack do you have any Goals, or whatever yeah, it is. but no, but Tan- um, Tanya says to Portia, when you are empty inside and you have no direction, yeah, you end up in some crazy places, right? Mm-hmm. But you'll still be lost. And I guess that's what triggers her to ask Jack whether he has any goals. And jack yeah. is like, Look, if it was 100 years ago, people would be killing themselves. Like, look, I'm happy where I am right now. And obviously, his drunken thing at the end explains that, like, he's been through shit, so yeah, um, I
1: thought that was a jack really is a West Ham fan. interesting, like just little, like, thing in terms of, like, looking at the glass half empty, obviously, versus looking at it as half full, right? Because yeah. I do yeah. think yeah. it mm-hmm. is saying a lot. Like, it is saying a really interesting thing. Like, if you hate living now, then when would you want to live, right? This thing yeah. of, like, mm-hmm. who would I have been that comes back to what um Dom asks, right? And I think Mike White is so clever because I feel like he never ever, like, he lives in the grey area, he never says anything so- right or wrong he is constantly like he's constantly um asking a lot of different questions Mm -hmm. also but portia definitely got the ick no but portia definitely got the ick majorly this episode i hope you guys if you if you have to carry your crush drunk oh my day
0: wait okay but this is this is gonna be my my men's rights corner Men do it all the time.
1: <laughs> and be a fucking oh, lady. Okay. Why are you drunk like that? If you're in the streets? Like,
0: if, if a you're man lady. and you ever carry your if you're a man and you ever carry your female partner because she's drunk you're allowed to get the ache. That's what Hadja said. I'm sorry. I, I don't make the rules. No,
1: that's not what oh, i said. That's,
0: that's, that's what Hadja is saying. That's what you're saying. That's what you're saying. Be
1: a fucking lady. Like, why are you d- like, his own was so bad as well. Like, he was now snoring, like, God, God have mercy. I mean, it's
0: so like, weird because, like, he's. Death to snorers. How much beer did he drink?
1: Death to Snorer. He's
0: singing the West to That's rude. No. I'm a snorer. <laughs> don't talk death to snorers. This is my agenda. My agenda is to get snorers on Love Island. I, we need representation. We need people to know I who am we are. Dead. Um,
1: but that scene was so dark. Which scene? In the hotel where he's drunk and ra- like that, that definitely, first of all, like obviously from last episode, I was immediately like, this is miles better than season one. But this episode made me feel like, oh wow, the show is taking quite a dark and heavy turn this season when he says, like, you know, he was like in a really deep hole and stuff. So like, I'm really intrigued. Is it that he feels indebted to Quentin somehow or Quentin is blackmailing him?
0: Oh no, I think he definitely feels indebted. Mm, okay. And. My my idea would my thinking, which we will talk about Quentin in a second, obviously. My thinking would be that Quentin got him as like a resident sex boy, and it's like, oh, I can unleash you on this girl to keep this girl busy. Yeah, I'll be that would be my thinking, really. Um, but while we're on post, let's talk about Portia quickly. So she's wearing mm-hmm. a Godfather shirt in this. Yes, in this, in this episode. Yes. Mm. And as anyone who listens to this podcast knows, I haven't watched, I not watched The Godfather, so but I'm not sure I have, to tell you what that means.
1: I think I think I think I have okay, an inkling. So
0: what do you think with spoiler without giving any deep spoilers. No deep, deep spoilers. spoilers. What do you think What do you think that means? Yeah. Okay,
1: so you know how in the first episode, so this isn't even a spoiler like it's like if you've seen The White Lotus, they talk about this scene in The White Lotus. But Yeah, yeah. You know how they talk about how the the bomb is meant for um al pacino but it doesn't hit him it doesn't hit him it it's his wife so i think it's sort of a hint of the person who is meant to be the target will not be the target it'll be some collateral damage which is why my new theory is that so porsche gonna die poor porsche
0: instead of instead of tanya
1: tanya's not gonna die porsche will
0: okay let's talk about it's taken us like 40 minutes i guess but somehow let's <laughs> let's talk about the picture the picture that Portia is, oh I'm, I'm assuming God. she's so cooked out that she she doesn't pay attention to. It. She thinks like it's fake because of the cocaine she's on. Um,
1: yeah, that's a great picture of Greg and Quentin.
0: Yep, and obviously there's a theory that has been going on for the past week about whether Greg was the cowboy, and that seems like confirmation that that is Greg. Mm-hmm. So obviously I've heard the theories about he the plan obviously with Greg and Quentin is to kill Porsche. Sorry, um, Tanya. Mm-hmm. And then Greg gets the money and obviously he shares it with his friends or whatever. Or, but also, I think while we're here, we can just agree that Quentin, is person that Greg, is talking to uh, in episode two. Yeah,
1: yeah, okay. for sure.
0: Um, and I don't think the love was really love you romantic. I think it was like, I love you. I love you. Yeah. Like, as someone I've known for 30 yeah. plus years. The second theory we could be that the plan is to get um, evidence of Tanya Sleeping with this guy, yeah,
1: Who, who? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure is also
0: he, another sex worker. And then to avoid the prenup
1: properly, yeah, it will yes, avoid the prenup And then he gets exactly. So will be avoided by a fidelity clause. Yeah.
0: And she would have done that because obviously she doesn't. She she was very self conscious that Greg wasn't into that, so yeah. she would have done a yeah an infidelity clause. Yeah, so those like are the two options. Yeah. But I think everybody's agreed that Greg and Coinciner that cannot be coincidence. That's impossible for it to be coincidence. Um, yeah, I
1: thought, I thought this, that like that whole sequence was very, like, obviously, like, bacchanalia, like, hedonism. It's, like, slow-mo. It feels like a trance. But, like, it was also funny, like, when she's like, hmm, this coke is very pure and fresh. It's like, <laughs> it's not toothpaste.
0: Which is like, um, let's check your coke bag. <laughs> like, that was, it was funny. It was funny. Okay, so speaking of murder, there's a literal... Chekhov's gone, introduced into this episode. Yep, which, yep. Which, like, <laughs> by the law of Chekhov, yep. it has to go up eventually. So yeah. I don't know what else to say, but we'll just have to wait to the next episode to see what happens with that.
1: Yeah, and I thought, the reason why I feel like Tanya doesn't get won over, mm-hmm. or like she eventually will prevail, is because we get that focus on the painting of the lady with the knife, who's staring. So you have the portrait of the woman. She's sort of nude. She's bent over. She has the knife. But also Mm -hmm. I thought that this, this whole episode was blocked really, really beautifully. Um, There were like two specific shots that really um, stuck out to me. It was, one was that very first one with not very first one, but one where you have Ethan talking to the prostitutes and you have um, Aubrey Plaza on the other side of the like glass. And it literally looks like a painting, but then Mm -hmm. you switch back to her and it just like, Reminds you that everything is about perspective. Um, But then you also have the very last shot of the episode where she's on the bed, the guy's on his knees, um, Mm. and it looks like something straight out of a painting or the theme song Mm. even. Because even in the the intro, you have all these different sexual positions and like precarious positions that people are in. But it's so Mm. interesting because he's the one on his knees, but in reality, in that current moment, she's the one who's at his mercy, yeah, but I, I don't mm-hmm. know why. There's something telling me that Tanya will prevail. Like that shot on the painting with the the shot on the painting with the knife and the woman, and just I guess the whole thing we've had about women throughout the season. I'm not saying that no mm-hmm. woman will die. I think maybe the prostitutes die because you know they're you know not really protected by society, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I feel like we might have some girl boss triumph. I don't know. Maybe I'll probably I might be wrong, but. I feel like that's that's definitely a
0: possibility. Maybe maybe Mia is our girl boss triumph. Um, okay. Or so, Lucia, maybe she
1: sees to her scam. Maybe,
0: maybe, maybe Lucia scams all three generations of the men. <laughs> Just. Yeah. Um, okay, quickly. So
1: Alentila becomes a bridesmaid at Isabella's wedding.
0: <laughs> Rocco, and Salvatore, Salvatore, with his voice. Oh my god. Um, Okay, so before we leave, quickly, the episode is titled Abductions,
1: mm. right?
0: And I think that very plainly refers to Lucia. Mm-hmm. Who else do you think that refers to? Uh, so I have the option of Portia, Portia definitely, definitely. Well.
1: Portia, mm-hmm. definitely.
0: So my options are Lucia, obviously, we agree. Portia, we agree. And Ethan Sanity. I think those are the three of them. Yeah,
1: that's definitely three being abducted. Percent.
0: Harper has it in a handbag. Okay, before we actually leave now, so obviously, like we mentioned... Most of the theories have been proven correct, i.e. Um, Quentin is poor, <laughs> he has a relationship with um, Greg, I think it was all the oh, the obviously Jack is not his nephew, I mean obviously, well, that, that, that's a different HBO show. Um, so I think there are a couple that are left that I think we can just quickly, very quickly decide if we think it's true or not. I mean, I think we all agree that Alessia is not real and that's like Lucia's lie or con mm-hmm. or whatever. So, we just want to see if that works out. But there's also the theory that Cameron, Cameron is poor, that like Cameron doesn't have money.
1: I think um, that might be true.
0: Yeah, it's looking more and more likely because he doesn't want to pay these women.
1: Yeah. So, he's
0: looking like more and more likely that he, he actually doesn't have money. Uh, which would be, I mean, unless, what? How would he know how money he got sacked? Like, how would
1: I feel like he would have, have $1,300 though. Like, are you yeah, joking? It, like, come on.
0: Unless like, he's just like,
1: ridiculous
0: yeah and also like
1: like, he can't be completely flat broke like do you get mm -hmm. what i mean like it can't be like he has to have at least a couple k like at least yeah that doesn't Um, make sense okay
0: i have a question for you how would you feel if like the dead bodies thing is just like a big fake out and like the dead bodies are like none of the characters we care about or it was an accident or something would that matter to you i
1: feel like that would be i don't know I i wouldn't like that i can't lie like, so you, you know how, like, we might get something like, you know how in the first season it was, like, all an accident, right? So mm-hmm. the death was mm-hmm. sort of like an accident. I feel like I don't mind if one of the bodies is an accident. So I also have a theory that Albie might also die trying to intervene or save someone.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Um, um, he finally gets to be a white knight um but he, he dies um so i don't mind if one person dies by accident or like as we said with the godfather theory somebody who's not meant to be killed ends up being killed but mm-hmm. i do want like one premeditated murder like i think that makes things a bit more spicy yeah
0: so but you want and it's not like,
1: like it's an anthology series right like you don't have to care yeah, like massive. oh my god yeah, i'm yeah, using yeah. Ogre Plaza. like she can die babes
0: um yeah I, yeah okay I think the biggest reason for me that I had for Tanya to die was that it would just make it easier to not have to bring her for season three. But... Yeah. How was that? How I was mean, I'll biggest, be kind, like, of, I'll be
1: kind of, of... Like, it would be a bit, oh, okay, they bring out of Coolidge again. But, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, think, think, I don't think Tanya might... Again. Yeah, I don't know that Tanya will not die, but I don't know, just something is telling me that she will find a way to prevail. or mm-hmm. that she's she's yeah. going to... F- or at least by tomorrow morning when she wakes up, she's out of the co-case... She'll sort of be yeah. onto them in a and way. I think about the picture.
0: Yeah. I think also, about the picture, yeah. Finally, just finally, really finally, this time. Obviously, every episode takes, course, over a day. It starts mm-hmm. with them waking up, or in Albie's case, having sex with a chair, and then it ends with them going to bed. So, but we know that the thing, the scene, the dead bodies, is in the morning, I believe. So, I'm assuming we'll get more than a day next episode, unless it's up in the next month, which I don't think that's going to happen. So, I guess we'll get yeah. more than a day in the finale and then we go going the next morning. Anyways, I don't know. I think that's it. Do you have any other thoughts?
1: No. Um, thank you for having me.
0: I saw some of your fans saying that they were listen to the podcast because you're on it. Uh, hi, thank you for listening. Please. Who said that? Uh, I don't remember the handle.
1: I don't think anyone said that. I think Bankly is just trying to give it's me a too. compliment because my because brain isn't you, working
0: you anymore. Because, <laughs> because you, I mean... Yes, but you you replied. You said she says it's gonna be whatever. You you know who I'm talking about. Anyways, um, just please stay stay after Haja leave after she finishes this run. Thank you. Like we're not as intellectual or as alluring. Just just stay. Uh, but for now,
1: that's very very untrue. Um. You guys have much better episodes than me. So, yeah, boo. Let's,
0: not, let's not do this again. <laughs> but for now, um, hopefully, all uh, no, you are back.
1: No, let's do this. My is, like, allergic to compliments. I don't know what's wrong with them.
0: Maybe, yeah. But, like, why are we, this is not my th- why are we doing this? No. I'm ending but, this like, episode. Oh, my God. Um, one
1: quick final thought. Let yeah. me tell you something.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: i can't lie Bankale's affliction of being allergic to compliments is sometimes good let me tell you why because realistically like you have to have a little bit of low self-esteem sometimes so you can be a bit suspicious because if you are jennifer coolidge gorgeous woman but realistically why would a young hot italian named nicola just be dying to fuck you like come on like bffr be fucking for real you need that level Wait, of depends, like he wouldn't
0: care about me and then i guess quentin just convinced that. i don't know i don't think i it was love you i do Gulledge. think i do think it's a, i don't think it's a mistake that coke is in that scene i think the coke because again we talk about this but like it's very weird that that picture is in that scene yeah. like it's like quentin should have removed that picture yeah so i think that coke is there to really really like fuck up her her mental faculty yeah and, like, and
1: the whole way it's filmed, filmed with like the slow motion it does feel like a. it literally feels like a trance the whole thing oh, no, done, feels yeah, like a trance so yeah you know
0: um I think Haja was trying to compliment me earlier, but then she said, I have low self-esteem, so Jesus Christ knows. Uh, but... No, I did not <laughs> This is a good point to end this episode. Haja, thank you very much for another episode on The White Lotus. Hopefully, well, not hopefully, but I, I believe we <laughs> will be back next week and he'll probably say some weird French anecdote or something, I don't know, man. Um, oh my god
1: he's awful oh god fire him please
0: <laughs> uh, but yeah for now thank you for everyone nice <laughs> listening if you haven't please rate and review us on whatever platform you're listening on and tell your friends about this podcast and uh, yeah that's it um, Hacha thank you very much thank you so much for having me
1: um, it's been great I'm really excited
0: yeah I think we Obi- will be back next week and I think I'll be back the week after of course with Oscar winner Daniel Kaluuya bye guys
1: Bye!